everybody, it's Gaul, and today I'll be doing part 3 of The Body Snatchers by Robert Louis Stevenson. One November morning, this policy of silence was put sharply to the test. He had been awake all night with a racking toothache, pacing his room like a caged beast or throwing himself in fury on his bed, and had fallen at last into that profound, uneasy slumber that so often follows a night of pain, when he was awakened by the third or fourth angry repetition of the concerted signal. There was a thin, bright moonshine, it was bitter cold, windy and frosty, the town had not yet awakened, but an indefiable stir already preluded the noise and business of the day. The ghouls had come later than usual, and they seemed more than usually eager to be gone. Fett, sick with sleep, lighted them upstairs. He heard their grumbling Irish voices through a dream, and as they stripped the sack from their sad merchandise, he leaned dozing, with his shoulder propped up against the wall. He had to shake himself to find the men their money. As he did so, his eyes lighted on the dead face. He started, he took two steps nearer, with the candle raised. "'God Almighty!' he cried. "'That is Jane Gilbraith!' The men answered nothing, but they shuffled nearer the door. "'I know her, I tell you,' he continued. "'She was alive and hearty yesterday. "'It's impossible she can be dead. "'It's impossible you should have got this body fairly.' "'Sure, sir, you're mistaken entirely,' said one of the men. But the other looked Fett starkly in the eyes and demanded the money on the spot. It was impossible to misconceive the threat or to exaggerate the danger. The lad's heart failed him. He stammered some excuses, counted out the sum, and saw his hateful visitors depart. No sooner were they gone than he hastened to confirm his doubts. By a dozen unquestionable marks he identified the girl he had jested with the day before. He saw with horror... Marks upon his body that had might have been betaken violence. A panic seized him, and he took refuge in his room. There he reflected at length over the discovery he had made, considering soberly the bearing of Mr. K's instructions and the danger to himself of interference in so seriousness a business, and at last, in sore perplexity, determined to wait for the advice of his immediate superior, the class assistant. This was a young doctor, Wolf McFarlane, a high favourite among all the reckless students, clever, dissipated and unscrupulous to the last degree. He had travelled and studied abroad, his manners were agreeable and a little forward. He was an authority on the stage, skilful on the ice or the links with the skate and golf club. He dressed with nice audacity and to put the finishing touch upon his glory, he kept a gig and a strong trotting horse. With Fetz, he was on his terms of intimacy, indeed. Their relative positions called for some community of life, and when subjects were scarce, the pair would drive far into the country in McFarlane's gig, visit and desecrate some lonely graveyard, and return before dawn with their booty to the door of the dissecting room. On that particular morning, McFarlane arrived somewhat earlier than his wont. Fetz heard him and met him on the stairs, told him his story, and showed him the cause of his alarm. Macfarlane examined the marks on her body. Yes, he said with a nod. It looks fishy. Well, what should I do? asked Fett. Do? repeated the other. 
Do you want to do anything? Lee said soonest mended, I should say. Someone else might recognise her, objected Fetz. She was as well known as the Castle Rock. We'll hope not, said McFarlane, and if anybody does, well, you didn't, don't you see? And there's an end. The fact is, this has been going on too long. Stir at the mud, and you'll get Kay into the most unholy trouble. You'll be in a shocking box yourself. So will I, if you come to that. I should like to know how many of us would look, or what the devil we should have to say for ourselves, in any Christian witness box. For me, you know there's been one thing that's certain, that, practically speaking, all of our subjects have been murdered. McFarlane, cried Fetz. Come now, sneered the other, as if you hadn't suspected it yourself. Suspecting is one thing, and proof another, yes, I know. And I'm as sorry as you are this should have come to here, tapping his body with his cane. The next best thing is for me to not recognise it, and, he added coolly, I don't. You may, if you please, I don't dictate, but I think a man of the world would do as I do, and, I may add, I fancy this is what Kay would look for at our hands. The question is, why did he choose us two for his assistance? And I answer, because he didn't want old wives. This was the tone of all others to affect the mind of a lad like Fetz. He agreed to imitate McFarlane. The body of the unfortunate girl was duly dissected, and no one remarked or appeared to recognise her. One afternoon, when his day's work was done, Fetz dropped into a popular tavern and found McFarlane sitting with a stranger. This was a small man, very pale and dark, with cold black eyes. The cut of his features gave a promise of intellect and refinement which was but feebly realised in his manners, for he proved, upon a nearer acquaintance, coarse, vulgar and stupid. He exercised, however, a very remarkable control over McFarlane, issued orders like the great Bashaw, became inflamed at at least discussion or delay, and commented rudely on the civility of which he was obeyed. This most offensive person took a fancy to Fetz on the spot, plied him with drinks, and honoured him with the unusual confidences on his past career. If a tenth part of what he confessed was true, he was a very loathsome rogue, and the lad's vanity was tickled by the attention of a so experienced a man. I'm a pretty bad fellow myself, the stranger remarked, but McFarlane is the boy. Toddy McFarlane, I call him. Toddy, order your friend another glass. Or it might be, Toddy, you jump up and shut the door. Toddy hates me, he said. Oh yes, Toddy, you do. Don't you call me that confounded name, growled McFarlane. Hear him? Ever see the lad play knife? He would like to do that all over my body, remarked the stranger. We medicals have a better way than that, says Fat. When we dislike a dead friend of ours, we dissect him. McFarlane looked up sharply, as this suggest was scarcely to his mind. The afternoon passed. Grey, for that was the stranger's name, invites Fetz to join them at dinner, ordered a fee so sumptuous the tavern was thrown into a commotion, and when it was all done, commanded McFarlane to settle the bill. It was late before they separated, and the man, Grey, was incredibly drunk. McFarlane, sobered by his fury, chewed the cud of the money he had been forced to squander and the slights he had been obliged to swallow. Fetz, with various liquors singing in his head, returned home with the devious footsteps and a mind entirely in abeyance. 
Next day, McFarlane was absent from class, and Fett smiled to himself as he imagined him still squiring the intolerable grey from tavern to tavern. As soon as the hour of liberty had struck, he posted from place to place in quest of his last night's companions. He could find them, however, nowhere, so just returned early to his room, went early to bed, and slept the sleep of the just. At four in the morning, he was awakened by the well-known signal. Descending to the door, he was filled with astonishment to find McFarlane with his gig, and in the gig one of those long and ghastly packages with which he was so well acquainted. What? he cried. Have you been out alone? How did you manage? But McFarlane silenced him roughly, biding his turn to business. But when they got the body upstairs and laid it on the table, McFarlane made it first as if he was going away. Then he paused and seemed to hesitate and said, "'You better look at the face,' said he, in tones of some constraint. "'You had better,' he repeated, and Fetz only stared at him at wonder. So I'm going to finish it there for today, guys. It's been another cliffhanger, and it feels that all is not as they seem, as the characters um, have a relationship with some of the bodies, and I'm starting to think that things might not be all they seem. Um, so I will see you all next time, so stay safe, stay cool, and I will see you out there.